Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week, we have a cool presentation all about the astounding capabilities of our eyes. You'll learn about how your eyes work and some amazing things they can do, even despite the fact people think they shouldn't be able to do these things. We got this presentation from Dan Roberts with his permission to air it on Eyes on Success, and he created it for the MD support group that he founded and runs, which provides lots of informational resources for people with macular degeneration and similar retinal diseases. So thank you to Dan for giving us permission to share this show with our listeners. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip is get as much information as you can about dealing with whatever level of vision loss you have in order to help you compensate. As Dan Roberts put it, We're all in this together, trying to disseminate as much information as we can to people who could benefit from it. I want your listeners to know that I was very lucky, I think, to find the Torpies because you folks are doing exactly what I've been trying to do, and it's so nice to know that I've got help. And I hope you feel the same way, that we're all out there doing this together. And uh, the way you do it, the quality of your work and the frequency of your work how you keep up with it once a week you know, when I'm working my tail off to go for a, you know once a month to get a good program together. Uh, I'm very impressed with that, and I'm so very happy to, to have found you, and I do plan to use your programs in all of my live support groups. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you very much. Let's start by meeting Dan and learning about the low vision support group that he founded and facilitates. Now, Dan's actually been on Eyes on Success on two prior shows. In 1435, he talked a lot about the disease of macular degeneration and about his MD support support group. And then in 1442, we spoke with his wife, Chris Roberts, about what it's like being a partner of somebody who for most of your relationship has had full vision and then starts losing their vision and how that can impact the relationship. Let's really meet Dan. Yeah, I'm uh, Dan Roberts. I was a teacher in the public schools for 23 years. I taught choir and general music and theory up through high school, and found that uh, when I was about 48, after my 23rd year of teaching, found that I was diagnosed with macular degeneration, or at least they thought it was. Uh, I do have a form of macular degeneration. It's not the age-related kind, because as I said, I was 48 when it occurred, but it was uh, started by a condition called central serous retinopathy, which affects middle-aged men, uh, type A personalities, and I'm definitely a type A. And so I lost the central vision in my left eye, and uh, it has affected my right eye. It's still functional, so that I'm allowed to uh, have a foot in both worlds. Uh, If I close my right eye, I see exactly what people with full-fledged macular degeneration see. And uh, my uh, right eye is my buddy. That's the one that I work with, and uh, I'm trying to take good care of that. 
you mentioned your organization. Can you give the title of that? It's called Macular Degeneration Support or MD Support. I started this foundation totally by accident. It was kind of evolution. It was not a plan. I'm not smart enough to plan something like this. Uh, So I can't take any credit for that. It's just the doors opened. And as they opened, I walked through them and, and ended up where I am now. And many, many people are benefiting from what Dan is doing now. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is Dan's presentation entitled Your Amazing Eyes, which he kindly granted us permission to use on this show. Welcome to the January 2018 session of the International Low Vision Support Group. I'm Dan Roberts, and our presentation this month is Your Amazing Eyes. Eyes are thought to have first developed in animals in a very basic form around 550 million years ago. Since then, they've become the second most complex organ after the brain. We hear all the time about the wonderful ways our brains work for us, but our peepers sometimes don't get the respect they deserve. To help resolve that, I'm going to provide some interesting, fun, and maybe surprising facts about your eyes. Before I do, however, here's a little review of what makes your eyes so amazing. Your eye is composed of more than two million working parts. Those directly responsible for seeing are your retina, optic nerve, iris, lens, and cornea. All of these seeing parts work together to capture images as electrical data and transmit them to your brain. That's where the data is translated into what we call eyesight and then interpreted and stored in your memory. So, actually, you may be looking with your eyes, but you're seeing with your brain. Your retina, which receives and processes light, is like wet seven-layered tissue paper lining the inside back of your eyeball. It contains about 107 million light-sensitive cells. Some 7 million cone cells, which help you see color and details, are packed into the center of your retina. That's the macula. About 100 million rod cells will help you see in the dark. They're found mostly outside of the macula. Because of the shape of your eye's lens, your retina actually perceives images upside down. In addition to being upside down, images arrive at your retina split in half and distorted. Fortunately, this is all sorted out by your brain before you realize what you're looking at. Your retina is connected to your brain by your optic nerve which is actually a bundle of more than a million nerve fibers enclosed in a protective sheath, like electrical wires in a conduit. Each eye has a small, natural blind spot off to the side where the optic nerve enters, but it's not a problem because your brain uses the information from the other eye to fill the gap. Two eyeballs give you stereoscopic 3D vision, allowing you to separate images from the background. 
something we call depth perception. There are, however, other ways to perceive depth. Slightly rotating your head side to side, for example, will achieve the same purpose. Not very helpful while playing ping pong, but useful when viewing a stationary scene. Your iris is the colored part of your eye that has inspired many songs. Five foot two, eyes of blue, green eyes, don't it make my brown eyes blue? Blue Spanish eyes and beautiful brown eyes, to name just a few. Like the shutter of a camera, your iris opens and closes to allow more or less light to shine through your pupil and onto your retina. While your fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, your iris has 256. For that reason, eye scans are increasingly being used for security purposes. A flexible lens at the front of your eye focuses the light from images onto your retina. If the muscles connected to the lens are working properly, and if the lens remains clear and flexible, focusing is as automatic as breathing. The lens is protected by the clear covering of the cornea, which, interestingly, is the only human tissue that doesn't contain blood. Your cornea is kept safe and healthy by your eyelids, tears, and eyelashes. At the same time, your eyelids, iris, and eyebrows help protect your retina from uncomfortably bright light. So our eyes are perfectly suited to our visual needs, and we certainly put them to the task. In the average lifetime, human eyes will see up to 24 million different images. They're on call 24-7, and if they're genetically sound and continually well-maintained, they should last a lifetime. Unfortunately, due to progress in medical science, many humans are now outlasting the eyeball's built-in lifespan which means that visual impairment is becoming increasingly more common in older people. Knowing all of this ought to give us a healthy respect for our amazing eyes, but if that's not enough, here are some more facts that I hope you will find interesting. Eyelid blinking is an unconscious activity that helps keep your eyeballs moist and clean. On average, you blink 17 times a minute but it's possible to blink five times in a single second. Did you know that you blink an average of 4,200,000 times a year? Or that you blink more when you talk and even more when you lie? Did you know that your average blink lasts for only about one-tenth of a second? You spend about 10% of your waking hours with your eyes closed from blinking. Do your eyes become tired when you read or stare at a computer? That's because you tend to blink less often. It is, however, not your eyeball that is tired. It's actually the muscles and tissues surrounding it that grow weary from overuse. What color are your eyes? If they're brown, you're in the vast majority. Blue-eyed people share a single ancestor with all other blue-eyed people around the world. All humans originally had brown eyes, but a genetic mutation about six to 10,000 years ago caused a person living near the Black Sea to lack enough melanin in his or her iris, which created the first case of blue eyes. Blue eyes exist under all brown eyes, but that person's iris color simply did not fully develop. <laughs>
the blue eye mutation seems to be disappearing. About half of Americans born at the turn of the 20th century had blue eyes, but today only about one in six Americans has them. And that's not bad news, because blue eyes tend to be more sensitive to light and less resistant to the damage it can cause. Blue-eyed people, for example, are more at risk of developing macular degeneration and need to take extra precautions. Incidentally, if your eyes are green, you're in a tiny minority. It's estimated that only 2% of all humans have green eyes, making it the rarest eye color. That's because to create a green-eyed baby, a person with rare blue eyes would have to hook up with a person with even more rare green eyes. And here, just for fun, is some random interesting trivia that you may or may not have heard. Under the right conditions and lighting, humans with normal vision can see the flame of a candle from 14 miles away. It takes only about two-tenths of a second for your brain to perceive an image seen by your eye. That's why when something happens quickly, we say, in the blink of an eye. Your eye is constantly making tiny jerking movements called microsaccades to stop images from fading away. You'll notice this if you try to hold your gaze perfectly still while fixating on a point in space. A healthy eye can distinguish approximately 1,000 shades of color and it can identify over 10 million colors under a single viewing condition. Crayola has a long way to go in naming all of those. Dogs are the only non-human species known to read your emotions by looking at your eyes. Cats might be able to learn how, but I don't think they care. Each of your eyelashes has a lifespan of about five months, and the total length of all eyelashes shed by you in a normal lifetime will be over 98 feet. Everyone has one eye that is slightly stronger than the other. This so-called dominant eye is responsible for most visual input to your brain. If you have enough central vision in both eyes, you can discover your eye dominance by first forming a circle, like the hand signal for OK, with the thumb and index finger of either hand. Then peer through the circle at an object in front of you and slowly move the circle toward your face while keeping the object in sight. The eye your fingers encircle is probably your dominant eye. People with right eye dominance are normally also right-handed, and vice versa. If you're right-handed and left eye dominant, or left-handed and right eye dominant, you may be cross-dominant, a condition that can cause developmental difficulties in some children. Like your skin, your eyes can get sunburned. They'll usually recover within a couple of days, but overexposure to the sun over time can also damage your retina, and that will not recover. Contrary to an old wives' tale, it's possible to sneeze with your eyes open. But don't worry about sneezing your eyeballs out. Can't happen. Reading in dim lighting does not damage your eyesight any more than listening to soft music will damage your hearing. You could, however, develop temporary eye strain from insufficient lighting. If you're nearsighted, gently pull back on the corner of your eyes 
and that can help you focus. This slightly changes the shape of your eyeballs, thus altering the focal point of the light rays on your retinas. Another way to improve your focus is to gaze through a pinhole. This reduces the blur around an image, making it clearer. If you have central vision in at least one eye, you can make a quick pinhole viewer by forming the OK sign with both hands and touching your joined fingertips together. About 80% of a sighted person's sensory input is received through the eyes. If the eyes stop working, however, most of that can be handled by one or more of the other four senses. Many people around the world are dealing with this, including about 39 million who are blind and roughly six times that many who endure some kind of vision impairment. In the United States, inherited forms of retinal disease affect approximately 200,000 Americans, whereas age-related macular degeneration affects 5 million to 10 million Americans. The good news is that 80% of vision problems worldwide are avoidable or even curable. Many problems can be avoided by a lifetime of following good health and eye safety practices. Others are now being cured through surgeries and drug interventions. The most difficult conditions are those that are genetic, but science is making important strides toward eliminating those causes in the foreseeable future. I'd like to read a condensed version of an article recently published. In it, the author explains the astounding partnership of the eyes and brain of a batter in the game of baseball. Major league players have an arsenal of weapons, the curveball, changeup, and slider. But the most feared pitch is the one every ace must possess, the fastball. Timed at 90 miles per hour and up, it's hard to imagine how to see a baseball going at that speed, much less hitting one. How can a batter hit a baseball traveling at over 90 miles per hour? Well, here's how it happens. A fastball travels to home plate in approximately one-third to one-half of a second. Let's say 500 milliseconds. By comparison, an eye blink takes about 300 to 400 milliseconds. The batter's brain takes about 100 milliseconds to process the image of the ball coming toward him. He'll need about 125 to 225 milliseconds to decide to swing. If he decides to do so, it'll take 25 milliseconds for his brain to tell his body to move. Then it'll take about 150 milliseconds to swing the bat and make contact with the ball. Breaking it down like this shows how miraculous it is that anybody hits a fastball. Which characteristics or talents do they possess? Great eyesight, reaction time, baseball eye training, or something else that allows them to see and hit the ball? Certainly, eyesight makes a difference on how to see a baseball. For that reason, Major League Baseball scouts look for players with outstanding eyesight, specifically 2012 vision. It makes sense that the clearer and stronger the eyesight, the better the ball can be seen. But if the ball is going 100 miles per hour, it travels approximately 3 feet by the time a batter recognizes that there is a ball, and 15 feet by the time he decides to swing. So as he's swinging, his body is acting on old information, which should make it impossible to hit a fastball. 
The only answer would be that the brain must have some kind of mechanism allowing the hitter to know ahead of time what the ball is going to do. Well, vision scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, have identified a portion of the brain that does just that. This prediction mechanism is located in the brain's visual cortex. It tracks the trajectory of moving objects, even if an object is traveling at unbelievably fast speeds. In effect, said the researchers, the image that hits the eye and is then processed by the brain is not in sync with the real world, but the brain is clever enough to compensate for that. The seemingly impossible, therefore, becomes possible thanks to the highly complex partnership of the human eyes and brains. And the benefits of such a partnership extend well beyond hitting fastballs. The human eye is one of the most intricate living organs on earth. We can easily forget about our astounding gift of sight until we lose it all, or in part. The human eyeball cannot yet be transplanted, but they're working on it. In the meantime, thankfully, some of its parts can be repaired. A lens can be replaced with a plastic one, a cornea can be transplanted, and a torn retina can be fixed. These are wonderful contributions from medical science, but as citizens of an increasingly aging population, we are challenged to make our eyes and our brains last longer than their original expectancy. Our warranties have long since expired, and spare parts, well, they're hard to find. But we are fortunate if we still have, no matter how rusty and worn they are, our amazing eyes. For this week's final item, how to get onto the MD support list and obtain additional information about causes for low vision or blindness and available support services and networks. So Dan, you have an MD support list, and I thought maybe you could tell people a little about that and how to find out more about your organization. MD list is simply an email discussion group. It's a simple process of having a group email discussion like a, a group phone conference, except it's email. We all here read each other's emails and uh, share information, and that's what it was designed to do. That could be very handy for people to write comments back and forth and ask questions in a non-threatening way. How do people subscribe to that list if they want to get involved? Well, they can write to me if they want, and I'll tell them where they can go to uh, get the information, or they can simply send an email to mdlist at mdsupport dot org with the word subscribe in the subject window. And if they want to contact you directly? If they want to contact me, that would be director at mdsupport.org. As part of your MD support organization, you run an international low vision support group? That's right. This is a group of groups. We have 120 at last count groups around the world. Uh, about 30 states and 13 English-speaking countries 
that are affiliates with MD support. This was designed for people who are in the older generation and they have not been able to take advantage of the new treatment and they have lost considerable vision. So they can't read, they can't use the internet as well, even though it's possible. But because of age, a lot of this, they don't want to try to use the internet. It's too involved. And at that stage of life, they need an easy button. I have uh, put together programs. I do this monthly, much like you do weekly. These programs are motivational talks, uh, interviews, that kind of thing. I'll put these into a slide presentation like a PowerPoint and audio recording. And I will send them fully produced with materials if they're needed and newsletters to each of these groups monthly. They all sit around the computer. The facilitators, who are nurses and activity directors and just volunteers, they're getting everything that we get who are using the Internet. They get all the programs that are on there that I can find uh, that are helping us get through the day with this. This is totally free for everyone. And how would a local group join this network of information sharing? Simply go to mdsupport.org, and it's obviously identified there on the homepage. It's called International Low Vision Support Group. Click on that, and all of the information is right there as to how to join. They'll start immediately getting the materials. Can you describe the telephone call-in support group you run? We can only do it here in the United States and Canada because the cost of the phone calls I don't have enough money for for overseas. But we get together once a month, the third Thursday of every month, for uh, 45 minutes, and I play the very same presentations that I've produced for the support groups to them over the telephone. And then because the presentations are 20 minutes, we then have 25 minutes to uh, discuss. How would somebody sign up for that? That's called telesupport. If a person goes to my site again, mdsupport.org, and clicks on support groups at the top, they can find that. Uh, they'll find all of the, the MD list, MD forum, which is our message board, uh, and also telesupport, which is the telephone support group. And, and again, it's free and no obligation to call in every month if they don't want to. And they also get the newsletter. If they don't have internet to find the information, they can call me and I'm going to give you my toll-free number. It's 888-866-6148. And I'll be happy to talk to anybody about uh, how to get in that group. And it's very simple. They just tell me they want to be in it. And I'll give them the phone number. And that was a lot of information. If you missed any of that in the audio, it's available in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1824. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about enabling people with various disabilities to do STEM careers. There are many common challenges and obstacles that people encounter, whether they have a visual impairment or some other disability. We'll speak with Gabriela Serrato-Marx, a geology graduate student at MIT, about her experiences and thoughts about receiving an education and having a career in a STEM field as a person with a disability, and about some of the work she's doing trying to raise awareness and make it easier for people with disabilities to participate in STEM education and careers, and that's science, technology, engineering, and math fields. 
If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.